Welcome to Take Me to the Cloud, a place for business professionals to hear insights and best practices from industry experts that combine cloud systems, operations, supply chain, and finance. Welcome to Take Me to the Cloud podcast. I'm Kim Gordon. I'm here with Walter Merkus and Yafa Rabkin. Today, we're going to continue off of our last discussion where we discussed um, at a high level um, different types of projects and the role of project management in those projects. Now we're going to actually look at the nitty gritty of what do project managers deal with on a daily basis? What are they actually looking for throughout a project? And um, what skill sets do they have to employ? So Yafa, I think I'll just hand it over to you. Maybe you can just describe to us um, what your day-to-day job would really looks like within a project. Sure. So when we look at a project, first of all, I think the day-to-day is very different from one project to the next, right? Because some projects are already in flight. So for the most part, you're kind of going through your traditional model of working with your internal resources, understanding where you're at on the project, really identifying if we're falling behind on anything, solving for how do we catch up with uh, what we're falling behind, right? And then there's, you know, the project plan, the administrative Mm -hmm. side of the house, really, of of the PMO. And then with other projects, right, you might look closer uh, to the risks and how do you mitigate risks that you continue to identify on a project and the criticality uh, of those risks, right? So I think, again, it just really ties back in to the different types of projects, ties right back into the complexity of those projects. At the core, the administration does not change from one project to the next. It's the approach, the style, and how heavy of a document or deliverable you actually produce depending on the complexity and and size of overall project. Yeah, I I love where you're going with that. I think the, you know, right sizing how we administer the project is the key in the beginning. And when we once, you know, once we establish the vision and the goals of the project, et cetera, and we understand our stakeholders, we'll have to right size what tools we use. I, I rarely use paper anymore, I have to admit, but I still use some pretty simple Excel sheets. Um, sometimes that's the right right uh, approach. For example, we are uh, right now doing a, a construction company with a yard and inventory uh, and adding a tool like Smartsheet or the complexity of Microsoft Project or something like that is just too much. So I like the way you talk about right sizing, right sizing not only our effort and level of effort and the administration, but what tools we might use if I could bring that in there um, as we start to establish, you know, what our checklist will look like and and things like that. So yeah, as you start to think about, you know, resourcing and scheduling those resources, what are some of the things you're thinking about on the project? Just as you're starting to roll into the project, you're starting to think about those things. Maybe just talk a little bit about that and then dump it over to Kim after. I want to hear her perspective on it as well. Right. So certainly, again, depending on the stage of the project that we're in, we always, or at least I try to forward plan for the two to four weeks ahead, right? Not every resource loves that because nobody wants to get 50,000 different calendar invites for the various activities, right? But it's understanding the who you need to 
uh, engage for that stage of the project, understanding their bandwidth, understanding availability, and also having a sense to how long do some activities take? Because I think as PMs, we need to try to understand that and be in line with that and and know that you know there's a big difference between something that is going to take 30 minutes or an hour versus an activity that's going to take a week or 10 days, right? So having that sense of um, <clears throat> awareness, I think, really helps in how we communicate internally amongst the team. But the calendar invites us is core and collaborating with our team to say, this is what we need to accomplish and and seeking that input from the team really goes a long way i think you know for certain mindset um and and really helps i think to keep the team engaged in especially mm-hmm. times where you know we're up against the wall and the, the the there's a lot to deliver in a short period of time by collaborating and and inviting that input from the team I think we generally see much more that gets accomplished because of the frame of mind of the team, right? I, I definitely agree with that, Yafa. And, and just to build on your point for forward thinking, a lot of times um, people who are just doing their day-to-day jobs, they may not think in terms of all the dependencies that are involved in a project. So the, planning it out in the future not only secures it and makes sure, makes sure that they prioritize it to ensure the momentum, it also gets them to really start visualizing the timeline and their roles in the timeline. So I think scheduling goes hand in hand with setting those expectations. It's, it's really tying into, okay, so for X amount of weeks, you're going to be working on this activities or these different work streams. So it really delineates for them. And then that's how you really um, figure out your different work stream teams as well. Sometimes a very complex project can have, um, five different teams working on several different things at once. And I think this, it really helps distinguish it. Of course, you communicate the timeline in different ways, but this helps, this is really the end result. You understand where your role is and when it's gonna be executed. And when you, when it comes to the grind, like you, you're, you're up against the last hour, it really prevents you from thinking, okay, let, let's just give us a little more leeway to push it. Sometimes you can't push it and locking it in the calendar, um, it has this psychological effect where, yes, we're working towards this date, and these are all the activities that are leading up to that date. So I think um, it's very important psychologically as well. Right, right. And as I kind of hear you talk about it, it really all ties as well to that communication plan, right? So making sure from a racy standpoint, because we employ racy so much on our project, right? And also kind of tying that into how do we communicate based on that RACI structure, right? Can you define RACI just for our viewers? Absolutely. So on any given activity that we do or assign, we look at who's responsible, who's accountable, who needs to be consulted with, and who needs to be informed. And that really helps that as we facilitate, as we seek to get input from folks, as we need to inform certain individuals, right? it really helps frame the communication plan, right? And it helps us as project managers to never kind of feel where we're in the position of being a reactive to, oh, oops, I forgot to inform someone. And that can kind of, you know, come back later as an escalation. And again, this is all about being proactive about avoiding that escalation and that forward thinking 
um, and always being a few steps ahead of, of the activities. And this is even more so important when, you know, one of the engagements I'm working through right now, you know, when you have over 25, 30 different external solutions that you integrate with, which means that beyond just your immediate team on the implementation side, plus your client team, plus there's all of these interdependencies to several external vendors that all need to be informed of any small change because it impacts all these other tracks, that communication plan is key. Okay. You know, just to build off of that, I really like your points there. It all really ties into also how you budget out the project from the beginning. So um, for when you're actually doing the resource planning and then you're putting all the scheduling in the calendar, you're setting expectations of who's doing what, that all gets factored into budgeting for, okay, so what is your team doing? This is how much it's approximately, approximately going to be an effort and cost um, for when you're thinking in terms of external consultants, but also in terms of what's going to be that level of effort on um, the client side of doing it as well. So that really all ties in together to influencing one another. And it's, it's really um, using the information you get to ex execute all those different activities like budgeting, economics, scheduling, resourcing. Um, so Wally, I think I'm going to pass it back to you. What is your take on this? Well, I, I, you know, focusing on budget, let's just stay in budget and economics. So for me, when I'm looking at budget, a lot of times the budget's been handed to you, meaning as a PM, all those things have happened in the sales cycle. And, and so folks have sort of determined what the budget will be or approximate, even if it's time and materials, there's some number that was transposed and given to them. And so when I look at budget, sometimes I look at the type of project. Uh, who needs to be involved. So under the racy side, definitely comes in there, but also under the methodology, are we doing an agile framework? Are we doing waterfall? What type of project are we doing? And when you think of agile, a lot of folks think agile just simply means that we are flexible and easy to get to. The true meaning of agile is we're all in it together. We are, it is a shared event and it is as much demand on the client side as it is on the, on the delivery side and the consultancy. And so I often, I'm often concerned on budget um, when, when we don't have enough in those multiple work streams, if we're on the agile side, if we're on the waterfall side, we seem to be able to have a gate that we can get through. It's more traditional. I grew up in waterfall. So I, by, by my very age, I grew up in, in waterfall. I've come to know and love agile. Uh, but I use more of a hybrid agile model where I still have gates on some of the things. The reason I bring all that up at this point is because budget to me depends on who's involved, um, and depends on what type of project we have in front of us. And, and, and it really is a, is, a, is a piece that way. Yeah, if I, I mean, I'm just thinking of some of the things we've worked on together on budget side, but that's how I see budget, uh, you know, coming together. What do, you, what do you think about budget? So I absolutely agree with your comments and budget is key, it's important. And to some degree, it's handed off to us as project managers. But at the same time, I think if we look at the budget a little bit kind of outside of just what's in front of us, which is our team and our resources and, and the estimated kind of hours and burn rate over the life, lifetime of the project, and we just step outside of that a little bit and also look at a budget from the customer's lens, 
it's not just their budget that they're paying the implementation firm. It's also their budget, and they do view it that way, of how much of their own time are they allocating across their uh, assigned project team to the project, right? What's that overhead actually costing them? Because from a client's lens, that's their holistic budget, right? So it's not just the X number of dollars that they're paying the implementer, it's plus all these other things that are internal. And often to make a project be successful, we look at backfill, right? And we recommend backfill to clients if they want to go at a certain speed, that in itself has costs associated, overhead associated with it. So coming back to the PM role, I think we have to incorporate our thinking and, and kind of incorporate what's happening outside of our project into our thinking. And when we look at budget, it's our internal, but it's also constantly being mindful of what's that weight that we're putting on the client to bring that project to the end line, right? To our go live and beyond go live. And how do we support past go live and who supports during go live and onwards, right? And that transition period between the implementation and the client. And to me, just again, tying this back to budget, it's it's all of these pieces at minimum, right? I, I love where you're going with that because you really emphasize the flexibility you need in a project as the project evolves over time. So while a PM simultaneously has to keep the budget, it's also recognizing um, how the project is evolving. How is it how is it changing from what we originally said? And it's keeping that in scope a little bit, but it's also adapting to the needs of the project, the client, and your own teams. Um, and that can be managed through like formal governance structures like change orders to a project, um, having regular steering committees with leadership to communicate, hey, there's a timeline risk, a budget risk, um, a scope risk. How do you want to handle that going forward? Or we, we anticipate XYZ is dependent on this and it may result in that. So just be mind. So I think the communication structure comes in here too, because you need to um, communicate early before it, those impacts actually hit and then come up with a plan of how you're going to address it and adjust your scoping, your budget. Right, yeah. right. I would even say, you know, sometimes we really have to lean on being intuitive as well and that in constant temperature check of how is our internal team doing? What are the moods like? You know, who's burning out? Or even on the client side, you know, we do a lot of our work over the phone, right? And hearing in the voice, you know, if someone is disconnected from the conversation or is showing kind of some, you know, anxiety or concern or whatnot, picking up on all these things and having that intuitive sense to say, how does this or whatever is happening going to translate back to either a positive or a negative for the project and addressing that again right away instead of letting things you know bubble up or fester so on and so forth right yeah yeah i like that a lot you know as we as we think through like as we move on and sort of switch gears a little bit here um you know we talked a little bit about people in the past and and sort of understanding people and i look at people being <clears throat> what strategy we're going to take on, a, on on how we're going to communicate with varying stakeholders uh both above and below um and we're going to have what kind of pressure can we apply? What kind of pressure can we not? How can we keep the motivation and all those things as we start to think of people and understanding them? 
And I think there is a full set of politics that goes along with the uh, with the uh, project management role um, and governance roles because you're applying this pressure, uh, and sometimes you're applying pressure to those that are the leaders of the project because they may be getting in their own way. So a lot of times I find the political side where sometimes you have to be dancing on uh, dancing a fine line of of uh, the correctness there. What your strategy is going to be to communicate with those folks. You know, Kim, I'm thinking of um, you're going through some things right now in, in terms of our overall projects, whereas you're working with consultants, you're working with outsourced, outsourced people, and you're working with the client side. And you've got a lot of these moving parts where you're trying to tie these folks together. Talk a little bit about sort of the dance you're doing there as you start to think about the projects and the way you're thinking about your understanding of those stakeholders and how that's helping you with your strategy and talking with them and communicating with them. Sure. Thanks, Wally. There's definitely a huge strategic component in it. It's, it's not, you can't go by the book, especially with complex um, clients and their, and their project needs. Um, currently, you know, you deal with one end of the spectrum. You have the leadership. They have this vision. They're, sometimes they're operating too much of a high, on a high level where they don't understand what's going on at the bottom. And that, that's where sometimes shocks happened. They, they thought they had a solid understanding, but sometimes you have to do some course correction. You have to communicate how how that bottom team is doing, and then that, that's what results in the different changes in the project oftentimes. And you have your 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 team who's actually working on the execution tasks, who, who knows the day-to-day -day operations. Sometimes they're too involved in the detail, so then it's getting them to see past that one week. What Yafa mentioned scheduling four weeks ahead. They're not thinking four weeks ahead. They're thinking, what do I need to, what do I need to do off my checklist today? Right. But they're not understanding those dependencies. So it's balancing the act of teaching both groups of stakeholders, and it's not even both. It's every every single type of stakeholder has a different perspective, and it's really adjusting your style to understanding where their gaps are and bridging it so that way everyone has a solid understanding and is on the same page. So. It's always a bit of a dance, like you said. Um, it's adapting to the capabilities of your resources as well. Um, sometimes they don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the necessary skill sets. So you have to go in and enable them. You have to go in and do more training with them. So it's kind of factoring all those things in as well. Yeah, great. Hey, Yaffa, like think of some of that as well as you start to bring from the management of those people and we get down a performance measurement. So as you start to think of that and you and I, I think you and I, this is where we're going to have an interesting debate is how do we measure the project? So as you're thinking of what's your go to, like if you had two or three go to metrics that you could just have, talk a little bit about that, your quick wins that you, you you've been away from the project, you're trying to get a quick little view of the project. What do you go to? What's your feeling on that you mean on understanding kind of how well we are progressing or? Yeah. what's the performance how are we doing on the, how we're doing against our plan or you know what are the some of the bigger ones like so for example for me I'll, I'll do a rule of ones where I'm comparing budget to calendar time to percent complete and those should all be in check so if, if a consultant on my team tells me we're 30 percent complete and we've consumed 50 percent of the budget and we're 30 and, and we're 50 percent of the way there something's not working out when i divide those into each other 30 30 and 50 doesn't give me one so what i'm looking for is uh, and and for me it's a quick win so i can look at things quickly and say where are we at and it sort of makes me dig in and look a little bit more and then i start looking at the individual risk that's what i go to 
I use that often. Do you have some like quick little rules of thumbs that you use that are like that, like with something similar? I do, and I use a blend of whether it is the budget consumption to date versus, like you said, where we're at in terms of uh, percent complete on the project. But what defines percent complete? Yeah. Because we really need to look at what sections of a, what areas of an application we're trying to configure and get ready, and it's really a percent complete in the stage of the project that we're in. And, and as much as, you know, we've got some tools that we use to give us those numbers, I think that I take that um, and I really blend it with my interviews with my teams. Because to me, that gives me uh, a real kind of temperature check from my entire team. And you will get a different update from the lens of the, you know, the multiple consultants you have. And then I take that and I embed the third layer, which is, what does my client think? What is my client's perception of where are we at on the project? And I really just blend all three things to really give me a true health check on where am I really at in the project? And you know, you and I refer to it as a heat map. And when we look at a project, right, we look at all the core project stages and all the core deliverables within those stages and understanding the heat map on how well we're doing, right? Are we in the red? Are we in the green? Are we in the yellow? Do we have some concerns, right? So that is what I use. And, and maybe it doesn't really address your key word there, which is the quick way of looking at things. But to me, that is kind of the approach that I use. The, the way I like to think of it, too, is, um, you, Yafa, you mentioned earlier, like measuring your what your risks are, your issues, your action items, your decisions, and you have, you have different registers to manage these things. And it's really, um, okay, so if we, we have issues, how are we working through it? And did we mitigate those? And then if that's communicated, that already marks progress through some significant action items. And it's really just tracking to see what's outstanding. And as we progress through, did we neglect anything? And do we need to, if so, because sometimes when you're going through a project, everything's going so rapidly and there's so many uh, parts to juggle. Sometimes there's major things you miss that maybe it's not impacting you now, but maybe down the line at the end, that's where it all starts accumulating and you have to make up and tie up the loose ends. So it, it, it's really making sure, kind of doing a project review once in a while, going back on, what did we do? Really, really go through the risks and issues. Did we truly address this or did we slap a Band-Aid on it or defer it to later? Um, so I, I think it's also important to be very uh, retrospective in that sense as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'd love to continue that comment about, you know, if we find anything, um, if we ever throw anything under the rug, you cannot hide from it in an ERP implementation. It will find its way to bubble right back up. So, right? So I, I think that's a big one. And we need to identify what those are. And sometimes we unintentionally kind of leave things off, right? But they will end up uh, bubbling up to the surface, right? Yeah, agreed. And I think, you know, we're 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 bumping against the end of our of our show today. But, um, you know, the one thing here is the people side. And so as I start to think, just think of our own consultants that we're managing. And I look at each consultant and some are, oh, yeah, that's done. 
and we know it's not even close to being done. Whereas <laughs> some are, some are, oh, I got so much to do, I'm never going to make it. And so we have to sort of balance this out. So th- what I was going to say on just closing that piece out is, um, I feel I feel like the people side of our own project management is very important as we establish relationships, as we try to help them see that we can all get through this together. Many times a consultant will look at the overall framework and think, oh my gosh, we're never going to get through this. And I think at the end of the day, we have to sort of help help them uh, see that we can take it in bite-sized chunks, little by little, and get there. And then with others, you know, the the, the, the uh, sheer vastness of it isn't so bothersome. They just can't seem to to hunker down and get through each individual task that they skip across and half finish this and half finish that. So together, I think that's really they our role as project managers is to tie all that together, get get the folks, the team working together in the best possible way we can as as we sort of measure the performance overall of the project. And Kim, I I know we're bumping up the back, so I'm going to turn it back over to you and. Go ahead. Sure. So, yeah, I think this is a great discussion. I think what I really got out of this was that a project manager is really a psychologist. <laughs> so uh, I think I think that's an essential skill to have. But thanks for listening. We really enjoyed having this conversation with Yafa and Wally. Take care and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Take Me to the Cloud. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted of new episodes. For more information, visit witham.com.